Let's pray together. Father, we are we're overwhelmed in your presence this morning. We thank you. Thank you for your grace. Father, help us to be honest. Help us to realize, Father, who we are as we stand before you. We thank you for your glorious grace and mercy that was shown at Calvary. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, for the many, many blessings you pour out upon us. And Father, all we can say is thank you. Thank you. Open our hearts this day. We pray, Father, for America. We pray for our churches. We pray for our families. And God, that you will come alongside that we will be those vessels, Father, be used by you. We thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Continue the work. Open our hearts now to hear your word. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. It's always good to see each and every one of you out this morning again. And I know it's hard doing church. It truly is. We have to, we have to begin somewheres and, and I praise the Lord for the, the wonderful turnout that we see, especially on the first service. Next week is going to be a, a brand new thing for us as a church family. We're going to, to start doing C4 Kids, and that will be on our second service. Uh, Miss Jen has, has a lot of things prepared and uh, as far as sanitizing the uh, afterwards and during, and, and it's just a lot, of, lot goes into our services here, but also a lot goes into behind the scenes. So much is happening. But I praise the Lord. Uh, God is working. God is moving. Uh, there are souls getting saved. There are lives being touched for Christ uh, daily. This uh, coronavirus, God is going to turn all things together, will work for His good. And He is working for His good. We don't understand sometimes. We scratch our heads and we look at all the things that's going on in our world and we just really, uh, quite frankly, it's confusing. We look at things, we hear things, we see things, we read things, and, and we sort of scratch our heads. You have the medical front, you have the political front, you have the, the media, you have the social front, the social media. Everybody is inputting, everybody is speaking, everyone has a platform, and it's really tough for the Christian, for the believers to navigate through all this. Honestly, it is. Uh, I know we have families even here this morning from New Hampshire. <laughs> good to have you guys. And, uh, but it's, it's always good. David said, I was glad when I went to the house of the Lord. It's good to get into God's house. And the gathering together, that's part of a, the process of, of church, of doing church together. Let me, uh, let me just say that I want to welcome each and every one of you that are not only is here this morning, but also those that are watching at home via streaming and we're in a series, and this series is learning lessons that Jesus taught. They're powerful lessons of life. And the first lesson we looked at was having troubled hearts. It's all on, uh, on our websites and on Facebook that you can always go back and, and watch them. But troubled hearts was the first one. And it's a, a lesson that Jesus taught from John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. And so we, we looked at that lesson, and, and that lesson essentially taught us how to handle stress and anxiety. 
in a, in a very upside-down world. And so as we look at this world and we see it through the prism of truth rather than lies and rather than, than errors or sin, we look at it through truth. And so we learn to handle stress and ultimately, this is not our home, right folks? This is not our home. Where's our home? It's in glory, in heaven. And someday, our, uh, the, the, Paul tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our citizenship is. This is. We're only passing through. We only have a short time on this earth. In other words, live it fully for Christ. And so we, we have an eternity to look forward to and all, all eternity with the Lord Jesus himself. And then we looked at powerful prayer, the, the necessity of maneuvering through life and going through all the obstacle courses that we face in this thing called prayer, how important it is. And Jesus taught us how to pray, not what to pray. And so we saw the Lord's Prayer, and that was our second installment of this series. And then last week for Father's Day, we saw the, 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 the great godly traits of a godly father through the prodigal's father and the story of the prodigal son. This morning, we're going to learn a lesson, and hopefully God's going to take us into a, a deeper understanding of wisdom and what it means to be wise, how to, how to grapple with the things that we're grappling with today and how to sort of understand it. But it's wisdom, the vital topic, I think, is very necessary in our world we live in today. Lessons from Jesus is choosing paths that we take. We need wisdom to choose what direction we go, to make what decision that we make, and because every decision will move us down further into this path or take us into this direction. And so we so desperately need wisdom. Well, what does it mean to be wise? And where does wisdom come from? And can it grow? Can we grow in wisdom? Very interesting subject, but it all starts as we start to unpack this this morning with our brain, with our mind. The control center of our lives is the human brain. The psalmist in 139 verse 14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God created us and God created you and God created me and he has put our bodies together in a most unique way, a beautiful way. And and he created us with the capacity of thought to be able to think. The brain is only about three pounds of weight, and yet it contains its 78% water. That's the brain. There's 100 billion neurons, and those are cells, little tiny cells, 100 billion of them. That's, that's equivalent to all the stars that you see in our Milky Way galaxy at night. If you look out across the sky and you see this big band of stars, that's us, Earth, being part of that Milky Way band. That's that big spiral Milky Way. That's how many stars are in that Milky Way, and that's how many neurons that you have in your brain right now. In fact, it's interesting because 70 or I'm sorry, 20% of all the energy that we use, that we take food and then the energy is converted, and 20% and, and, and of all the energy is consumed by our thinking, by our brain. Some people think a lot more, so maybe they consume 30%, others maybe a lot less, maybe 10%. It has a processing power, our brain has a processing power of 100 million Computer instructions per second, MIPS they call it, M-I-P-S. 100 million computer instructions per second. 
It's amazing. And that far exceeds the most modern computer. And in fact, there's more electrical impulses that's generated in our brains in one day than all the cell phones in the entire world. And see the brain, how God created us. Your brain senses no pain. Senses no pain, and yet it's estimated by research that we have approximately 70,000 thoughts on any given day. Can you imagine? As those little electron, those little impulse, electrical impulses travel, they travel 268 miles per hour through our brain, through our spinal cord and our nervous system. Uh, I tell you what, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Our brain, we created highly complex with emotions and love of hate, of joy, of sadness, of personalities. Four predominant personality traits, but yet there's over 18,000 different personality traits. We're, we're, we're a marvel unto ourselves. Our dreams, why we can dream. How about the memories that we have? We often, Kathy and I often reflect on memories. We think back and remember when this happened. Remember when the kids did this. Remember our first grandbaby. We were sitting on a, a eating supper last night. Kathy looked at a, a little plaque she just got for Mother's Day. And it says, uh, Grandma's Kitchen or Grammy's Kitchen. And all the names of all the kids underneath. And, and uh, established and gave the date it was established. And that was when Gabby was born. That's the date that the grandma happened. And so now the 11 grandchildren are listed out. We reminisce, we think, we have memories of things. And, and a lot of times as we go through life, those memories that we remember are incredibly detailed. And yet there are some things, and in fact, like me, a lot of things that we don't remember. A lot of things as we go through life that we just sort of pass away and we don't even remember them. And then all of a sudden our spouse will say something that jogs the memory and we so I have to remember, but I, to understand a little bit deeper on who God is, God records all of our thoughts, are recorded in his books. All our words, all our deeds are all recorded. See, God knows everything about it, and it's all recorded in his cloud. He has it all written down. And man's, man's finite wisdom in comparison to God's infinite wisdom is beyond, even beyond measure. Isaiah, the prophet said in Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts is far above and beyond any of my thoughts or your thoughts. We see in Genesis chapter 127 that God created, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The creative act of Almighty God is bara, which is in the Hebrew, uh, the sense of an instantaneous, miraculous something out of nothing. Talking how big God is, he's a big God. And he created male and female. And he created male and female in the image of himself. And I love those words. 
we see the image of God, let us make man in our image. We see the plurality of the triune God in another verse in chapter 2. God created man with intellect. God created man with emotions. And God created man with a will. The ability to choose, the ability to make a decision, uh, the ability to cry, the, the ability to laugh. Intellect, the ability to do phenomenal things, to design, to build. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord tells us we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Before time began, God's wisdom was, was working. God was working. The context is speaking of Jesus coming to earth to die for sinful man, for the redemption of mankind, that, that God was providing a redeemer his own son. And God's secret wisdom is only known through divine revelation. We don't discover it. We don't sort of happen on chance upon it or just by, you know. But God, all the infinite wisdom or all the wisdom that you and I have of the infinite God, all has been given to you and I by Almighty God. God chose to reveal himself through his word, through creation, through his son. We see that revelation is beautiful. And see, the natural man does not know God. The natural man does not understand God's wisdom. In fact, the natural man considers it foolishness. God's wisdom has been hidden. It's a mystery. And that's what it talks about, God's secret wisdom. The hidden wisdom of Almighty God. If you look in Scripture, the Scripture speaks a lot about wisdom and what it is and how we get it and, you know, wisdom. In fact, the word wisdom, just in the NIV translation, just doing a quick search, 218 times. And the word wise, 186 times. It's a, it's a huge subject in the Scriptures. There's various words in the Bible that uses uh, that God uses to help us to understand wisdom, that describes it with discernment, having discernment, that you see something, we're in a situation, and all of a sudden you just discern that, that, that the Spirit of God that dwells within us as Christians. We, God gives us that gift, that ability, not to everyone, but some will have that discernment, that special gift of discernment. We also see the word insight. We see the word knowledge or understanding or comprehension or awareness or imagination or skill or success or prudence or learning or mind or heart. There are many, many words. It's a broad subject, and it's, it's highly important to realize that God is the author of wisdom. Now, wisdom, the two main words for, for wisdom is Sophia, and that's the insight into the true nature of things. That's having an insight into the true nature of things. In other words, it's having discernment. You hear news reports or you see things going on at your job or maybe the boss is shifting around people or whatever. It's having that, that Sophia, that, that insight into the true nature of things. It's reality not fantasy. Reality and not fantasy. 
And the second word that's used quite often in scriptures is phronosis. And it's the ability to discern actions with a view to the results. It's knowing that there will be consequences to choices that are made. That's, what, that's that knowledge. That's having wisdom. Is understanding, the first one is, is see the reality of a situation and not fantasy, not the pine sky, not being deceived. See reality. And the second one is, is really discerning what is happening in view of the consequences of your actions. Knowing that there will be consequences to every choice that is made. Because that's very important. It's very important as Christians, as believers, knowing that, that everything that we do in our lives is, is, is important. That there's no sort of gray areas or black areas, that everything that we think and do and act and, and, and the time we spend with the Lord, the time we don't spend with the Lord, is important. It's going to be adding and growing your life or taking away from your life. And so where does God fit in the, in the whole equation and for an unsaved person, person that's outside of the family of God, that really don't have faith, that's, that's critically important. You have to come to that realization of knowing that there will be consequences to the choice of perhaps rejecting Jesus, not wanting to do anything with Jesus. Well, fine, I'm going to face death. I'm going to face life when it's all over. I'm going to, God, if he exists, I'm going to face him. So we, we see those words, the ability to discern. See, if you, if you break it on down, wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. It's the things we learn, the things we grow. We can, we can even see this in, in our salvation in, in chapter 10 of Romans 10, 17. Faith, that's saving faith, that's true faith, that's genuine faith, that faith that, that writes your name in the Lamb's book of faith. Lamb's Book of Life. It's faith that's going to take you to heaven someday. It's faith that, that Jesus has forgiven you of your sin. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we gain that knowledge. We hear the message and the story of Jesus and we, we gain knowledge. We gain that understanding. And that's what wisdom is all about is, is the practical application of that knowledge, of the things that we learn, the things that we gain. And so we see the contrast we see contrast of being wise or being foolish throughout Scripture. It's seen everywhere. Last week we saw the foolish son, the prodigal, that took off and spent everything in his riotous living. And so we saw the prodigal, and so we saw he was foolish. But then we saw him being coming wise where he made a decision, I'm going to come back to my father. And he made that decision to return. You see the rich man of Lazarus, we see that. We see the Jesus and the proud Pharisees who were lifted, they were foolish in their thoughts. Today we have information that we're bombarded. You know, and, 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 and what's, what's going on? How, how do we handle this? God help us, and God knows I need wisdom, and God knows we all need to have wisdom. And see, God in his word tells us that I, I'm going to give wisdom to my children to help us, to encourage us as we live out our life and as we navigate through the stress of the everyday life. You see it? God gives it to us. He wants us to have that as, you're going to, as we're going to unpack this. In fact, the practical application, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, the Lord tells us if you lack wisdom... If you lack wisdom, ask God, 
who gives it generously for those who come to him and ask. Ask God. I remember David's son, Solomon. And the Lord came and said, Solomon, I'm gonna, what do you want, Solomon? And basically Solomon said, I want wisdom. I want to have understanding that, that as I handle the situation as being the king of Israel. How do I handle people? How do I put together relationships and you know, all the various things that goes on in a kingdom? And God said, that's a good thing. And so essentially, in 1 Kings chapter 3, King Solomon asked for this understanding mind to discern between good and evil. It's important. Because if we don't have that discernment between good and evil, we're going to be like a yo-yo. We're going to be hot and cold, up and down, high five today and just crying tomorrow. We're going to be living in fear and panic. And, and, and God says, no, I, I want you to be wise because, my friends, this is needed. Wisdom is needed so, so, so much today in our world. Now, there are two kinds of wisdom. There's two kinds of wisdom. The first one is human wisdom. And you know where I'm going here, but God describes human wisdom as foolish because human wisdom is based upon changeable thoughts and ideas. Ideas, thoughts, data, reports. It's changeable. Someday you'll get this report, next day it'll be refuting that report and going just the opposite. That's the world we live in. See, human wisdom can plan and design and build and, and do a lot of things, but all, those things are only temporary. They're not eternal. We see, we see procedures and technology in the medical front. We see computers and man designing. I mean, man, the wisdom there, it's real. They can build skyscrapers, build a jumble jet that fly people. You do so much, and we see human wisdom. But yet our fallen nature and the humanity, we, it always brings limitations on our thoughts and our understandings. Because what we're taught today as true, is often disproved tomorrow. It's, it's, it's here today and gone tomorrow. And my friends, there's many examples I could leave you with, but I'm not going to this morning. See, human wisdom is seeing life from the world's perspective. Human wisdom says earn more degrees or get smarter, all the while making God more irrelevant. In fact, God's word tells us ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, human wisdom today, especially in our culture today, says that there is no God. So we take God out of our equation, and, and so we see if there's no God, there's no creator. We all evolved. And so we see this evolution of this humanism theology that is sweeping evolutionaristic ideology on ideas of no creator and no judgment, no eternity. When you die, you die like a dog. It's over. Buried. Done. It's over. God says, no, it's not over. That's the beginning. Because there's an eternity that we will step into, you and I. Because this life is fleeting. This life is quick. Quickly will be over. God tells us in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool 
has said in his heart, there is no God. The, the Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man, what did he say? He who trusts in himself is a fool. Pretty heavy words, weighty words. See, secular humanism is seen absolutely everywhere we turn. It's human wisdom based upon changeable thoughts and ideas. It comes down that it's my life, I will do what I please. I'll do anything. It filters down to everything, and you see it in our culture today, whether it's abortions or marriage or genders, on and on, education, politics, political correctness. It's everywhere, and it's all based upon secular humanism. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Wise in your own eyes and clever in your own sight. James 3.15 says, this wisdom, what is this wisdom? This wisdom does not come down from heaven. But this worldly wisdom, this human wisdom, this, this worldly wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. So you start to see the, the root of this, where it comes from. And all human wisdom is passing away and will come to naught. So you have human wisdom, but then you also have divine wisdom. And God describes divine wisdom as wise. And it's based on the unchangeable truth of God's word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. All scriptures by inspiration, the very breath of Almighty God. Holy men of God, they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so God is the author of the scriptures. And yet the scriptures are marginalized today. The scriptures are put down today. The scriptures are sort of like, well, you can't trust it. It's filled with uh, errors and contradictions. That's false. The word of God is true. It's unchangeable truth of God's word. See, God's wisdom in the word of God says that there is a right and there is a wrong. God's wisdom says that there is moral absolutes. God's word says there is a perfect and a good standard to live, to operate your life, to live your life. And so that's the wisdom that God offers mankind. That's the wisdom that God offers everyone in this room and everyone that's streaming. To have the correct wisdom, wisdom from Almighty God, not, not wisdom built upon the, 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 the sand, but wisdom built upon the rock. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 tells us this. My purpose, Paul says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Now get that, full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. Going back to that again, that mystery, that, that wisdom, namely Christ. If you have Christ, namely Christ, in whom are hidden, here it is, hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want wisdom, you want knowledge for living life on this earth, it's hidden in Christ. But you have to mine it, you have to dig it, you have to go in there, you have to want intentionally make an effort to involve yourself, to grow, involve yourself in the riches of the truth of God's word. 
Notice it's only found in Christ. To know Christ is to know riches and wisdom. If you're a believer, God desires to give you and I that wisdom. Church, for the asking, John, we just read earlier, John 1.5. See, God's wisdom is in direct proportion to our level of obedience, our level of surrender, our level of asking Him and getting into His truth of His Word. And the ball is in our courts. It's not going to be dependent upon me to do it for you. I will teach the truth of God's Word and try to bring it in an applicable way that we can apply it to our lives. But it, 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 it rests. The obligation, the responsibility rests within each of us to open the treasure, the treasure chest to find the riches of Christ. See, and remember, it's the practical application of knowledge. Wisdom is an attribute. It's an attribute of God. And let me just give you a few verses here, but there are many verses. In Job chapter 12, verse 13, To God belong wisdom and power and counsel and understanding are His. To God belongs that wisdom. Proverbs 3, 19, By wisdom the Lord laid the, found, the earth's foundations, and by understanding He set the heavens in place. By his wisdom, by his knowledge, by his understanding. And, 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 and he brought it all together, this creation, this beautiful world that we live. To watch the little hummingbirds come and suck the nectar out of plants. And, and the, the bees, and the, now you're seeing the robins and the little wrens making their nest and constant back and forth feeding their babies. Little deer, this morning, I just opened our eyes and just turning. I was up since four, and just getting light, and you can see the deer running across the backyard with the little fawns running. You know, and it's just, God, through his wisdom, has made it all happen. Understand who God is. Understand a little bit more who I am and before this holy God. It's God's attribute. Romans chapter 11, verse 33, all the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. As we start to begin to mine that knowledge and that wisdom, we'll discover incredible nuggets of wisdom for our lives. I don't know about you, but I need wisdom. For many, many years in my life, I, I try to get into the, today is the 28th of June. 28th of June already. Where's the summer? Where's it gone? Here it is. It's, it's 2020, and this is the year that wasn't. <laughs> Chapter, the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, and it's just a good little habit I've gotten into, and you can get into it too, because I didn't need wisdom, and Proverbs is a wisdom book. Today happens to be the 28th. Go read chapter 28 of Proverbs. That's all. Give you a little spot to go, a little, little tidbit. Get in there and you read that. And maybe you'll skip for four weeks or so, and then or four days, four months, whatever day it is. Get in there, read that chapter six. It's the sixth day of June, sixth day of July, whatever it might be, and you read. And God will give you wisdom. He'll open up that book of wisdom, Proverbs. It's so powerful, so good. It's filled with practical ways of learning. And wisdom is given by God. In fact, we read, we read that the fear of the Lord 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, chapter 1. We read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, chapter 8. God tells us if we want knowledge, we want wisdom, it all begins with an attitude that we express, an attitude that we have, an attitude that we carry. If we really have that humbleness, that brokenness before our God, our Creator. And if we do, we'll learn from Him. And He'll teach us and He'll grow us. I love, it's given by God in 1 Kings chapter 4, 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breath, a breath of understanding as measureless as the sand of the seashore. There was no man found upon this earth that had the knowledge and the wisdom and the, and the insight that Solomon had. Proverbs, who was written by Solomon, he says in verse 6 of chapter 2, the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It comes from God. Wisdom, wisdom truly allows us as his children, to make sense of what's going on in this world. It helps us to sort of rest in his sovereignty. Wisdom allows us to realize that I don't have it all together, and probably nobody else in this world has it all together, but God does, and we can rest in him. We can trust him. He's absolutely good God, and he never ceases to be good the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's called grace. God given us this gift, this beautiful thing. See, gaining wisdom is not some magical formula that you do this and do that, or you press this little button and, you know, and you get wisdom. But he has a hidden treasure chest that is just waiting for you and I as Christians to open up and start to, 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 to go in and start to understand that wisdom. See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, it's, the Lord tells us, the Lord searches every heart, and the Lord understands every motive behind the thoughts. Every thought that we think, God sees our motives. God knows our actions. He sees our deeds. He knows everything about us. And he cares for us, and he knows exactly. And so often, you know, we try to cover that, that, cover our trails or cover our tracks, but he sees, he knows. He alone chooses the portion of wisdom that he gives to each of us. And he grants to us, his children. Now, there's two ways of living. It all comes down to that, and we can live foolishly or we can live wisely. It all comes down to, really, the choices that we make. If you have your Bibles in chapter 5 of Matthew, in chapter 5, it's, it's a powerful section, and in fact, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's lessons, we could break this apart into probably 20 different lessons and be able to teach those different lessons and different that we can learn nuggets of truth, but this is the big, broad lesson on wisdom this morning, but you see, in chapter 5, people sat down on the mountainside, and, you know, it wasn't only a few months ago, Kathy and I were sitting down on that mountainside overlooking the Sea of Galilee and the breeze. It was a hot, sunny day, beautiful. 
And we see in verse 1, they sat down on the mountainside, they sat down, the disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, and then blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so we see the beatitudes, the blessings that's being poured out, and and then we see Jesus continuing to teach, but he teaches about Moses and murder and reconciliation and adultery and divorce and oaths, taking oaths and teaches about love. And then he teaches about giving, giving and, you know, financially giving. And then he, he spoke about prayer. We looked at this uh, two weeks ago. And then we, he talked about fasting and he talked about money again. And then he talked about worry, about don't worry. You know, tomorrow has enough things to worry about. Get your worry off of, you know, all those things out there. Don't worry about everything. I'm God. I'm in control. And then in chapter 7, he opens up to about judging. Be careful judging other people. And be careful that you aren't sort of pointing out the, 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 the little speck of sawdust in your neighbor's eye as you have a great big old plank in your eye. And so he, he teaches all these things, and, and then, we also, then we start to see, here's, here's the proof of the kingdom. Here's the proof of kingdom life. This is all these lessons that I'm teaching, Jesus is saying, this is the proof. This is what it looks like in the real world. This is the, the rubber that meets the road. And so he starts to conclude this in, in, in verses 13 down through 27. But basically, he presents in, this, in, the closing, in the closing words from the Sermon on the Mount, he basically talks about the foolish and the wise. It all comes down to the choices that each of us make. And so in conclusion, he tells his listeners, listeners, you have two options. Live in your life, you have two options and only two and everyone must make a choice. And so then he starts to, in verses 13 and 14, he talks about the two gates and the two paths. The narrow path is a narrow way. That leads to, to life. But the broad path, the broad road, with a wide gate leads to destruction. And many go that way. You've got to make a wise choice there. Which road are you on? Are you on the straight and narrow or are you on the broad Super highway going to destruction, hell. And then we see two trees in verses 18 and 19, 19 and 20 in Matthew 7. The two trees and the two fruit. And Jesus says a good tree is going to bear good fruit. But a bad tree is going to bear bad fruit. Basically saying, what fruit are you bearing? How is your life? What is the outcomes of your life? Are you struggling through life and having problems with this world? Is the world sort of enveloping your thoughts, your mind, your, your theology even? Is the world encroaching into your life? A good tree is going to bear good fruit. A bad tree will bear bad fruit. And then in verse 21 and through 23, we see two professions of faith. And these are powerful. And if you have your Bible, let me just read down through this. Verse 21. Not everyone, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, they have the phraseology, right? Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone's going to make it to heaven, even though they're saying good things. Lord, Lord. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, on that day, that's judgment day, Lord, Lord, there it is again, did we not prophesy or preach in your name? And in your name, Jesus, did we not we drive out demons? So they were casting demons out. And in your name, did we perform many miracles? So they were miracle workers, they were what we see is an angel of light. And then Jesus said in verse 23, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And I want you to understand they weren't saved and lost their salvation. They were never saved at one time. I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. And then that pulls us down into our text. Because it brings us down to Jesus is teaching this whole Sermon on the Mount. Then he gives the, the two gates and the two pathways. He gives us the, the two trees and the two fruits. And then he gives us the two professions of faith. One is a possessor, reality. And the other is a professor in words only. But they don't possess. And so we see they have head knowledge, but they really don't have a relationship and so it comes down to you being wise or foolish because look at verse 24. You're right there in Scripture. Look at verse 24 because this, is, this sort of brings this whole message together. Notice that first word, therefore. In all of the teaching, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, in all the lessons that Jesus is teaching, now he says, therefore, here it is, it comes right down to this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But the conjunction, totally different. Here, there, there's the wise man. The wise man built his house on the rock and it stood strong. But the foolish man, everyone who hears the words of mine does not put God's word into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. That's the end of Jesus' teaching in this whole Sermon on the Mount. And then we read those next two verses. It says, when Jesus had finished, the very next verse, 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, what did the crowds, there was thousands of people up there as he was teaching this. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because, here's the reason they were amazed, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. He wasn't just like all these religious Pharisees over here. He taught as one who had authority. He knew what he was talking about. And he laid it out to them, and, and he taught, and the, the crowds were, were blown away. So in this lesson, as in the whole Sermon on the Mount, in the, as Jesus brings it all together at the very end here, with the wise and the foolish, brings it down to the choices we've got to consider our lives. And we see two builders. We see two houses. We see two choices, we see two foundations, and we see two results or two destinies that it comes down to that point. And this is our life. Everyone is listening to me right now, whether you're at home or in your den or here. There's two destinies, there's two places of eternity. 
in the very presence of God or in the very absence and the total separation from God forever. Destruction or life, over and over, we see it. And so the Lord Jesus brings us down and he talks about this. See, both builders heard God's word. Everyone who hears these words of mine, they both heard God's word. This is the gospel. They both knew, both builders, the wise and the foolish, both of them knew. They knew the way of salvation. They knew that Jesus was the only way. They both had it up here, the knowledge up here, but this, he was wise and he responded on that knowledge and got Jesus down here. And see, when we hear the truth of God's word, we hear the gospel, we then become responsible for what they heard. And to and follow suit, then we must make that decision to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus. So we must choose wisely. So both builders heard the word. Both builders built a house. They both built their house after they heard Jesus, after they heard the word of God. And so we see the wise builder, he put God's words into practice as he built. Well, the foolish man did not do that. The foolish builder was so busy and he thought he was building his house okay, but he was not building his house okay. He was building his house with head knowledge. He was building his house. He was building his life. He was building it on sand that's going to be swept away someday. When he stepped into eternity, that's when the outcome will happen. And so we see... The foolish believes that all he had to do was build his house. Maybe just go to church every, every Sunday or just sort of made, look religious. And then we see, we see the wise building his life and building his house built upon the truth of the word of God. And then number three is both builders lived near each other. The rain came down and the floods came up and the streams rose, wind blew and beat against the house. They both lived in the same general area. Same storm struck. The outward circumstances of their lives were very similar. The rain came, and the, everything got beat, and the same with us. The storms happen in our lives, and the storms beat us up. And the storms are inevitable when they fly in and come in and they strike. We see the COVID-19, that's the storm that's beating up many people. On parallel overload that we're seeing, and the news is just constant barrage, and sometimes it's best to shut it off and not listen to any of the news. You know, shut it off. <laughs> but fear and panic and death and masks and cures and drugs and all the various things out there, the storms that we experience can be relenting. See, we're in this together, really, and rest in your faith. Don't rest in fear, but trust the Lord. Allow it to be a time of prayer. Allow it to be a time of, of, of nourishment, nourishing your personal soul, of growth, of spiritual growth. See, those storms are real. And both, they, they both built near each other and they live near each other. And then both builders built similar houses. They both built the same type of house. Looking at it from the outside, it had windows, had, you know, siding on it, it had a two-car garage, it had a little driveway going up to the house. I mean, they all looked similar on the outside. They all had a lot in common, and that's the same 
with the two builders here, they, 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 same with us. There's so many times we can gather together in church, we all look good, and we all talk about Jesus, we all love Jesus, we can sing the worship songs, but yet we can read some teaching from Jesus where he said that there's, in the church is going to be tares and there's going to be wheat. And tares are going to grow up. Tares don't know Christ. And Jesus said, don't uproot them, leave them grow, leave the tares grow with the wheat because, you know, if you rip up the tear, the wheat's going to be hurt too. It's going to destroy the wheat. So leave them both grow together and then judgment, when I come back, I'm going to settle the score and I'm going to, I'm going to get it all cleared up. And you look at wheat and tares and they look identical in plant life as they grow them. The only thing is, once they become mature, the wheat will have heads of, of wheat, will have a lot of kernels of wheat, seed. The tares will grow up just as high and just as vibrant and good, but no fruit. Jesus said, by their fruit, remember that, you'll know them. So it's important, guys. They both had similar houses. They were both religious, both morally upright citizens. They probably served in various ways. But see, the big difference of it all was the foundation that made all the difference. That was the, that was the difference maker, the foundation. One was built on the rock and the other was built on sand. The foundation built on rock stood strong. The differences was not noticeable from the top, from the, from, from the outward appearance, because the foundation is always hidden deep down, underground. You look at verse 24 and 26, you see the difference. The wise builder built on the rock, putting God's word into practice, whereas the foolish builder built his house on the sand and failed to put his, the words of God into practice. See, it's disobedience or obedience to the word of God, and so it's important. And who's the rock? You know who the rock is. The rock is Jesus. He's the rock. He's the one that the builders rejected. The stone that the builders rejected. Jesus is the rock. In Matthew 16, this is the very first time that we see the word church used by the Lord Jesus. He says, you are Peter. The, the whole question was about who, who is people say I am. I'm, you know, am I the Messiah? And you, am I the Christ that comes? And Peter burks out, you are the Christ. And then Jesus says, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the powers, the gates of hell shall not, the authority of hell shall not prevail against it. You are Peter. And there's a sort of play on words. Peter actually means Petros. Petros, which means a pebble or a little stone. But upon this rock, Petra, it's the bedrock, it's the boulder, it's the huge rock. That's talking of Jesus. He's the one you build your life on. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says that rock was Christ. The rock is Christ. Ephesians 2.20, we are built, as Christians, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being a chief cornerstone. He's our bedrock. He's our cornerstone. He's the one. Praise the Lord, huh? He's the one. And so as we dig deep and we feast on God's word, we'll become more like Christ, but we will grow in divine wisdom for living life, for doing life, for handling life. 
not based upon human understanding or human wisdom, but truly trusting God. No matter what hits, what storm blows in across our bow, we are secure in Jesus Christ. We don't have to have the up and down and the hot and cold and the panic one day and the, and the fear the next day and the, the faith the next day. No, we can walk in trust in the sovereignty of Almighty God because our house is built upon the rock. It's not built upon shifty sand. It's not going to build upon when the storm comes. It's not going to be, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, it's not going to be that way. We're building on Christ, the solid rock, and I'm going to stand on that rock. So lessons from Jesus, we all need wisdom because we're all on a sod navigating through life. And we all, I guarantee you, everyone in this room, everyone watching, we want God's blessings, don't we? We want His blessings. We want His blessings to be poured out upon us. We want His blessings. So what do we do? You don't do something that's going to discourage God from giving you a blessing. You want to please Him. You want to love Him. You want to learn from Him. You want to grow in your knowledge. And as you grow in knowledge, He will bestow more wisdom, that more insight, more discernment, that you understand the true nature of things. You understand reality, not some fantasy land over here. But I love God's promise. I'm going to close in this passage. There's a picture of lessons from Jesus. This was, we took, I took that. Isn't that a gorgeous picture? Isn't that a gorgeous picture? As you stand here, this 70, maybe 80% of all ministry of Jesus was right around this place. Just to the left and bottom of the hill. You see the, the Sea of Galilee, but just in the bottom of the hill is Capernaum. That was, that was a base of operation. And then to the right, come around. I mean, Tiberius is over here. I mean, this was, this was in the hub of it all. What a beautiful picture. What lessons from Jesus. And Jesus said, I will give you my wisdom. I will give you my blessing. I'll give you my knowledge. But you've got to choose it. You've got to choose this day who you're going to serve. Not the world. Trust me. But he gives us this promise in Proverbs 3.13. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman who finds wisdom. The man who gains understanding. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. In other words, you can have all the money in the bank and all your IRAs and all the material wealth of this world. But if you don't have wisdom to operate through life, you don't have it all. <laughs> and it says, verse 15, she is more, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in wisdom's right hand. Get that? Long life. You want to grow old? <laughs> Be wise. Long life is in her right hand. And in her left hand, what's in her left hand? Riches and honor. You see it? Wisdom. Her ways are pleasant ways. And all of wisdom's paths are peace. Peace, not turmoil, not anguish, not chaos, not drama, not all the stuff that this world offers, <laughs> but peace. And she, wisdom, is a tree of life, a tree of life. 
I see that tree of life. <laughs> we also see that tree of life in the garden. We also see that tree of life in the New Jerusalem. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her wisdom. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. We're such a blessed people. Guys, wisdom. We need wisdom. Next week, Josh Coldren will be here. He's a pastor down in Roanoke, Virginia. He's going to be coming and preaching. We're looking to hire pastors. That's a good thing. It's hard in the midst of coronavirus. It's hard in all this, but it's a good thing. As God grows us, as God works through our lives, man, we've got to be wise, have wisdom. Amen? Y'all here with me this morning, church? Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, and, and let, before I pray, let's all stand together because we're going to be dismissed. Yeah, we're closing out our service a little bit differently during this time, so let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful. Thank you, Father, for the lessons we've learned today, lessons from Jesus on wisdom. Oh, God, help us. Help me to be wise. Help me to, to navigate through life correctly and, Father, say the right words and think the right thoughts and, Father, even my motives of things. Lord, I pray that you would help us, each of us, Lord, to, to walk with Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who gave it all, that we can have it all. And Father, if there's any in this room or any that's watching by home, Father, that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, Lord, that they would be wise to choose the narrow gate and the, and the, and the straight gate and the narrow path that leads to life. Father, we do pray that you would draw men and women to yourself. Father, that they would just call upon the name of the Lord, and Lord, you tell us in your word they'll be saved. We thank you for loving us, Father, and sending your Son that he sacrificially gave his life that we could have life. So, Father, we thank you for those that will call upon your name to start to follow Jesus, to, to turn from their sin, and to trust him. And, Father, for us as Christians, Lord, we pray that you would help us to live our lives in wisdom. Help us to walk circumspectly, not as fool, but wise. Be as wise as serpents and yet harmless as doves. Grant us just discernment and understanding the, the, all the things that we're facing in our world today. And Father, for this we thank you. Thank you, Father, for each one that is here. And Lord, for those that are watching, we just pray for safety and protection over each one. And God, that you will bring healing and, and to those that are really battling the physical ailments. And Father, we just pray that you would just oversee your body, your family here at Cross Creek not only here, but throughout our world. And use us, Father, for your glory and honor and praise. Dismiss us with your grace. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless. Have a great week, guys.